Welcome back, everybody. Bill Love here with Bob Hickey. Bob, how hard is it nowadays to get your book into an actual comic book shop? Well, you should know, Bill, considering you work in one. Um, and I've and seen that for a bit now. Yeah, actually, you've worked in one that I created like 17, 18 years ago. Sold about, I guess it's been 10, 11 years. And you're still there. You're, you're well, there. yeah, when it went to a new owner, I was listed under fixtures and just stayed. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe, or maybe Wendy paid us to keep you there. You just never know. But yeah, and I still see the piles of books that you walk out of there every week with. So uh, you you read a lot and look at a lot of books. So yeah. But I also spend a lot of time looking at previews and looking at what's available for shops. Now, at one point I did all the ordering myself and it was an incredible task. Since I've stopped doing the full ordering responsibilities it's only gotten harder oh yeah well you got marvel and dc both trying to get as big of a part of the pot that's out there as you can then you've got the you know what i call mid-range publishers as far as dark horse image boom uh i idw out there trying to grab what they can and that doesn't leave a whole lot for the little guys and then you throw all the toys the magazines the cards the games well for comic books alone Someone has to sit down once a month and make 450 to 500 separate decisions of, do I order this book? How many of this book do I order? How many decisions? 450 to 500 on average. That's how many single titles or graphic novels that are coming out on a month? Yes. Wow. Now, I remember decades ago when you didn't, that wasn't, that wasn't coming out in a year. Okay. Not oh, that yeah. many titles. So imagine if the making a decision, making up your mind what you're going to have for dinner when you're going out can be hard enough if you don't have that many choices. But making up to 500 separate choices, deciding, not should I carry this book? Because you cannot, as a retailer, carry every book listed in previews. You would lose money. Not every book is going to sell. Some are going to sell great. Some are going to sell okay. Some smaller press books are not going to find an audience, and the retailer has no ability to return books. Every book that they public that they buy, they own with no returns. Right. Every copy is a risk. Will I sell this? Will I not sell this? Okay, and so you pay, and you pay in full up front. Yeah, and you order still three months in advance. You order between two to three months in advance. Right. And so you're not only you might know exactly what people want today, but you're trying to predict what they will want two months or more from now. So you have to know exactly what's going on in all of those books to determine, well, this writer artist change, is that going to help or hurt the book? Uh, are people getting tired of the storyline? Are they going to drop this book to move on to something else? Which hot new book is going to come along will bump other books off someone's reading list and we haven't even brought up the concept of variant covers uh buy 10 get this cover all the tricks that so the number i mentioned is actually way higher by many multiples because of deciding on multiple covers do i up my order to get this specific special cover will it can i sell it for enough if i normally sell 15 copies of a book. Can I buy 10 more to get a 1 in 25 variant? Will those 10 copies still be unsold? Can I sell the variant for enough to cover that 
at what point do you make a profit? There are too many retailers who are not even using a calculator. They're just, just well, I'll, I'll get the variant. They wind up losing money on it because they were, they're spending more than they can possibly sell it for. Well, I think most people say, well, it's just 10 more copies, but they also have the one in 100 variant. Oh, there's so one in now, 50, one in 100. Yes. Uh -huh. there's, yeah. And now that's where you sold 15 copies for sure. Are you going to eat 85 to get that pencil Jim Lee cover version, you know, one in 100? Wow. But you're also trying to keep your eye on the smaller press, the, the more independent companies that can have the next great hit because you want to know where your people, your customers are going, what's going to catch their eye. But every company is telling you that they have the next great hit. So you can't believe every bit of hype that you read. You have to cut, th cut through that and find out what's is going to sell, not nationally, but for your market. You've and, heard all uh, politics is local. All comic book shops are local. So yes. what is going to sell to my clients here where I live? And that can make a vastly different sales from one shop to another in the same state, okay, in the same city. Well, let, let's throw this, this thing about this. So I've got a book, and a small publisher has already picked it up, and they're going to put it in diamonds. How can I get that shop, your shop, to put it on your shelf? That can be very difficult. I've told you the number of games we're, we're mm -hmm. playing, okay? Once you've gone through all of your Marvel, DC, Dark Horse image orders, okay, you the, what's called the back of the catalog, you're looking through the smaller publishers, and it's as a retailers like panning for gold. Some retailers do it very, very bad job and only order the most popular books. They don't want to take any risk. Right. And that doesn't help to build comics. It doesn't help to build your own shop if you're not catering to a wider audience. But some are very risk adverse because they've been burned so many times. How do you, the worst thing, let me tell you the worst thing to do. The wor If your book is coming out, okay, on the 10th, mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do is do a social media push three days ahead of time and to tell everyone that you can possibly get a hold of to come to the store on the 10th and buy your book. No, that needs to be done. Didn't we say two to three months in advance when you're placing the orders? Well, you have to first think, who am I selling the book to? Mm -hmm. if, you are if you get a great social media push and do a wonderful job and people are coming in on the 10th asking for your book, you can't. I can't sell it to them if the book is not there, right. because the retailer doesn't buy it on the tenth. The retailer buys it at least two months ahead of time. Right. So your first audience is the retailer. Yes. And in if they don't have the book on the shelf, okay. Well, you think well, people ten people come in asking for your book. Well, you yes, you can reorder it. All right. That takes time, but. At that time, your press run has already been set, okay? And you might not have enough. You might have a potential hit, but you don't have enough copies of it to sell because you're doing all of your advertising at the back end rather than get, doing enough advertising to the retailer to get it in the shelf in the first place. Sure. And then you have a retailer who's smart enough to go, no, I don't have that title, but you know what? There's another title out there just like that. Let me show you that book. Yeah. You have it on the stand. All of a sudden, all the effort you put into all your social media, all your building, everything, went in to help sell somebody else's book. Because people, when they come in, they want to walk out with something. Yes, they do. And, they, so, and you often, when you say, well, I can get it for you, I'll have it next week, you'll never see them again. 
No. It's not logical, but it is the way the business works. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I own another business that I've always said that Amazon and eBay is my biggest competitor. And that's because they can order from them when they walk out the door. So we have to have it if we expect to sell it. And so, um, so it still comes around. So I've got this book. Are you guys really going to listen to me two to three months in advance? You don't have a clue who I am or what I've got? It's very, very difficult um, mm -hmm. because retailers tend to be overworked. And I'm not just like saying poor, poor, pitiful me, you know, <laughs> but many comic book shops are run on a shoestring budget. They, uh, the people working there are working way more than a 40 hour week. They don't have enough profit to, to have an, as many people working there as it really needs to be. So that retailer who's working the register, you know, 40 hours a week or also has to do all the ordering material, mm -hmm. all of the bookkeeping, et cetera. There's more things going on behind any kind of a business than just sitting at the register and collecting money. Well, one uh, of the things is all the product lines. You're not just selling comics to stay alive. Oh, yeah. That 500 decisions a month doesn't even count all of the other products that you have to keep track of. The markets for for action figures, for statues, for games. You know, it's, you know, it's an incredible number of decisions that must be made on a daily basis. Do I carry this or do I not? Right. So how do you break through to get to that retailer? It is not an easy job. And there is no really prescribed method that will guarantee to make it work. Uh, the worst thing you can do is just put it in previews and assume people will order. Yeah, that don't work. Now, no. but you can buy advertising in previews. It's expensive. Uh, I know in the it's, past that has barely worked also. It can be valuable, but it, you have to look at your budget for advertising. Do you have enough money to put into it to support that project? Often the case is no, because okay. you are, you know, you're, you're putting all of your resources into the production of the book, but unless you get orders from that previews, you're not going to have the money to get it printed. So if you can possibly afford advertising, it can be worthwhile, but it's not a direct one-on-one -on -one correspondence. Paying for a full page ad does not guarantee that you'll make enough money back to, right. to pay for the ad. It's. Uh, you can you can spend way too much money on formal advertising that's really not going to get you the biggest push that you need. Well, I, I, I don't know how much advertising. It used to be 1000 or $2,000 a page in, in previews. I'm guessing it's that or more. And at selling a book at, say, let's say three ninety nine, your profit margin, that's only 30%. So you're getting... A dollar twenty from a book, right? So you, have to you sell guys, a lot of books to cover your advertising alone. Yeah, alone production. like eight around eight hundred and fifty copies to cover that ad and previews before you cover the print run of that book. So you have to actually you got to print more than that because those books but, cost you money. But the so, biggest problem that retailers have is that all they see is the cover image. Yep. And often the cover image of a book is not indicative of what's inside the book. Okay, I, I know in the past there used to be a big envelope that came out with the retailer package and it would be full of inserts and flyers and stuff from all the different publishers. Do they still do that? Um, I haven't seen one of those in a while. Mike might yeah. still get those, but I don't think they're doing that as much. Because 
F because more things are going digital. Right. But the que- the question becomes, how do you get the retailer to look at the interior pages of your book? Right. If you are going to do an ad, the best thing you can put in an ad is interior pages. Retailers want to see what the book looks like. If I know what the book looks like, I know which of my customers to recommend that book to. Okay. But if I don't see the interior pages, I don't care how good the plot synopsis sounds or how beautiful the cover art is. If it doesn't match the interior pages, I'm not going to be able to sell it. But if I know what the interior pages look like, I can judge who I know in my shop would like that style of book. Yeah, and another thing is you can't just put the guest cover artist on the book on your ad or your promotion. No. you got to show the interior pages. That's one of the things that company, even the biggest companies still do, trying to sell only based on cover images. And there are a few and decreasingly few art cover artists that will really move the needle on a sale. Right. And it does not live up to like showing what's in the book. The best way to do that is to get – you can post things online, but you need to get the retailer to look at what you have online. Now, how do you do that? One of the most effective things is incredibly time-consuming, but we get this from time to time. Just this week, a, an artist has a book with a small publisher, mm-hmm. called us directly at the store, introduced himself, explained on page X number, page, page dot, dot, dot on previews, my book is in this month's previews. Okay. May I, may I send you a link to the book so that you can look at the full pages? That's a good move. That's good marketing. It's, it's an excellent marketing technique because no, not enough people are doing it. Um, you can, you know, find there's ways of listing, get a comic book shop listing, just getting phone numbers. That direct approach makes you stand out from the crowd. It's not the same as just sending an email. Okay, you can send an email at you know to the info at whatever you know game store. Uh, and they kind of get lost in the shuffle. But mm-hmm. making a personal phone call, connecting with someone, I was like, oh, well, now I will look for you to make sure you get the right place to send the, your link. Mm-hmm. And then that personal touch, okay, even that when that person is incredibly busy and doesn't have enough time to talk to you, it makes them want to look for that. And like, oh, well, they took enough time, they cared enough about me to give me a phone call. Let me look at what they have. Right. And that connection... Okay, now they're looking at your artwork. They're judging whether or not I can actually sell that. And you're much more likely to get them to try a few copies where before they would have not have ordered any. Okay, so the question comes around, how many shops really have time to follow through and even look? I'm not sure. I'm not bringing negative Nelly here. I'm just becoming from retail. I know how I'm currently owning retail. I know how busy it is, how chaotic. You can mean the best. but oh, yeah. and, and that reaching out of that creator, that is wonderful. I can remember back in the day, uh, one of the mid-range publishers used to call every month. Um, I can't remember who they were, but they call every month. They say, hey, we have this and this in previews. We have this and this being reprinted. We just want to give you guys a head up, you know. Um, that was nice. but I remember that publisher, and we wound up carrying five times what we had mm-hmm. initially sold of that publisher and selling it all and coming back for more and more Yes, because you can't give every single publisher the same attention. It's just not possible. But when that publisher reaches out to you and says, look, 
and you try their material and you find you really do have an audience, I have an audience for you. And they increased their sales and that increased sales helped us make more money. So it's a win-win situation. That personal contact. And now I know how everybody's, every creator is so busy and so many people are, what do I say calling someone on the phone? You keep it very simple. You mm-hmm. explain, you know, and you, you respect people's time and you say, please, may I send this link? Please take a look at it. Please consider, you know, and that simple interaction can make the biggest difference. It probably won't be bad to do a follow-up email too as a reminder before orders are done. Right hey, before orders are done, this. yes. Yeah. And most Thanks. stores put in their orders at the last moment, okay? Right. I don't know anyone who says, oh, previous orders are due in four weeks. Let's do it now. No, they're putting them at the last moment. Right. So, yeah, but, if you can get but, that information, then, yeah, you want to definitely not bombard that person, but keep them, you know, yeah, in the loop. But the one really good piece of advice is time-consuming. <laughs> it's difficult, and not every retailer will respond to it. Some will, like, I just don't do anything in the back pages. They'll say, yes, I'll look at it, and they don't really get around to it. But it is something that you can actually do if you have a fan base already, okay? If you have people that are following you, weaponize them get them to call retailers and say this book is coming out it's in this previews i would like to pre-order it and then people like well great okay if one person asks and calls for a book that i don't know about Mm -hmm. i'm going to order more than that one copy right it's a standard trope in retailing that if someone asks for a new product for one person asking that means at least five people want to buy it you hope so. Yes. Well, and, and, not everyone's going to ask. Okay. Right. No, no, so, no. I agree. So you're going to buy more than the one copy. You're not, you might not buy 25. Okay. But book, you were not going to buy any. You're now going to buy that one and two or three more for the shelf to try out. Sure. So the more people you have, you know that you have fans, get them to talk to their local retailer, talk to them and order the book, not just hope it will be there. Right, right. No, they got to reach out and, and, uh, stay, you know, so it's a, t- <laughs> and this is something we're going to come back into is how much time can a creator spend on promoting your book and not creating? Correct. Always come and building the fan base. So it's not just, I want to make comics, unfortunately, unless you've oh, got no. a staff. And I don't know how you afford to put together a staff because orders, a friend of mine has a book coming out. And um, his orders were like 2,000 copies. And when you sit down and run the numbers, that wouldn't even paid for a previews ad and the printing cost of, right. of the books. And this is, you know, he, he's not self-publishing. It's to a, a small publisher who publishes people's books. They seemed okay with it. I'm um, going to say the creator's not going to recoup any of his investment at this point in time on that book. Um, another friend of mine went to another publisher. I think he sold somewhere between three and 4,000 copies. Now he's been plugging that book off and on for years. He has been working social medias, a little bit of fan base. But there again, even at three to 4,000, if you run the numbers, there's not a whole lot of meat at the end of the day for this. So now, it really your, comes your around. Hope there, your hope mm-hmm. there is that is kind of um, priming the pump that those low numbers that will get some good critical reviews, other people will see it. Some word of mouth will say, hey, this book just came out. You need to check it out. You hope that there's enough of a buzz about your book to actually raise the numbers in the 
and maybe go back to print on early issues to meet demand. It's difficult. It's very difficult, but it's possible. I, well, I'm but getting ready it, to ask you uh, is where does orders usually go with issue twos, threes, and fours? Because you're ordering this three uh, months in advance. Down. Well, I, I have to order, Mike and I have to order number two and often number three before we even see number one. Exactly. And so at that point, again, everything that we order is non-returnable. So if it's a very low number, okay, if we ordered four copies of the book, we still might only order two of the next one until we are sure that it's going to sell. Right. Uh, if it's, you know, if books that um bigger books that a small shop is ordering 20 copies of they're going to order 10 of the next and five of number three just until they know that it is actually selling and they can try to you know bump up their orders but those depth those definitive pre-sale orders that you're going to get are going to be those low numbers right so one of two things you've got to be ready to be in this long term uh, it's I mean, maybe you're doing a three-issue series and that's it, and you put together a trade at the end. Truthfully, the trade at the end could be your money maker, but are yeah. you or you use that trade to reach another audience? So, you know? actually, also these are also very good possibilities. The biggest takeaway from what we have to say today is there was a day that getting your com- in, books into a shop wasn't difficult if you had a publisher comic shops were going to try everything new because mm-hmm. they could afford to try everything new there was not that many new books in a month now okay of those 450 to 500 titles do you know how many issues number one are in there oh a ton these are not things if, if most of the books were just like a steady i know what i'm going to sell this book it's not hard to make a decision but from the every publisher from the biggest to the smallest I would not be surprised if half of what you're ordering are number unproven number ones. So sure. more risk. So risk yeah. can have reward. Okay. But comic book retailers are exhausted in this process. It is incredibly difficult, very hard to break through. And the tips I've been able to give you are not, you know, surefire in any way, shape or form. It's the massive number of books that are coming through a comic shop. Now, the sales can be small, medium to small on almost all of them, but there's still a huge number of books. So to be add your book to that number is asking a lot. Sure. Who is a successful publisher out there doing it right now? Have you seen anything come across in the past six months that you can go, wow, you know, they've offered up a, pro- a good product? Because the biggest thing is these guys need to look at examples and mentors and look at, you know, I'm constantly, I'll look at previews every so often and go, oh, okay, this is a new guy. I look at it. Yeah. You know, nice covers. Um, I may or may not see it on the stand. So it didn't make the cut. True. So Boom studio started out as like boom. coming out of nowhere and who are these people, but their persistence of putting out product month after month after month and increasing the quality of their product. Um, They've really become someone to look look at. They've become quite a major player. And there are other, like SourcePoint, that are looking to do the same thing and have some very interesting and uh, unique product to offer. But it's persistence is get to get into a comic book store. You have to get into that retailer's mind that you are going to be there forever, Um, either as a publisher or as an independent creator. They are 
tired of dealing with flash in the pan. They're going to be around for a few short issues and I'll never have to think about them again. They want something that's going to be have a consistent market and have fans they can market to. Right. Not an easy task. No. Who is the one publisher who decided he was going newsstand and as cheap as possible to make sure his books come out? Um, Alterna, I believe. Alterna, you're correct. Yeah, I really followed them over the past year, year and a half. He's made some good moves. He's tried a lot of different things to get his books out there. You know, not every one of his books are my cup of tea, but there's some seems to be something for a little bit of everyone. There's a lot of fun. So, there's a lot of energy in those books. And like mm -hmm. you say, he's trying to just like, I want to do comics for people who like comics, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's, yeah. And so he's making moves, trying to, looking at the log jam of what's, of trying to get books into a regular comic book store and trying to do things differently. That's what we all have to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, nobody can say, well, I guess one thing you can take from this is that not everybody's going to get in bookstores, but that's not the only audience or only way to publish. Let's be clear oh, about no. that. We're right. No. Today, we're really just talking about how difficult this one task is, which will lead us to many more conversations about well, if that if that hill is too big to climb, what are the other ways around? What How else do we get the material that we love draw, writing and drawing into the hands of fans? Yep. I know what. I'm going to open this up. I just decided... Let's, um, let's put this out there. Anybody's got more questions about this? Because I think this could be a really ongoing subject, and it's going to change. Totally agree. It has changed so much over the years since I owned retail, and I've done publishing. Um, if you got a question, send a question to podcast at shoutfire.com. I will make sure Bill gets a copy of it. I will get a copy of it. We will try to answer some Q&A at the end of future podcasts. And if we get a bunch of it, maybe we'll just get together and do a quick uh, you know, recording on just a Q&A. Because um, yeah. I find there's a lot of questions out there, but you didn't cover this or you didn't ask that. And we're more than happy to, uh, you know, if we don't know the answers, we'll go find them. We know enough people out there. Or if we really can't find an answer, we're not, we'll, we'll make one up. <laughs> we'll make one up or maybe it'll be a good way to try something new. But yeah, so. I, I really have to um, just echo that request because the more input you get, the the better we can get the information to you sure well i think in the future we need to cover stuff like kickstarters how you build a fan base um shows is it really necessary to do shows stuff like that we can discuss upon how to get your book out there but it really comes around one thing and that's building that readership building that fan base whether you're sending them to the shops or if you're selling to them direct right but making sure there's a way to get what you create into the hands of people who want to enjoy it sure and and on a final note here, it's sort of funny that um, I was discussing to the the owners who I sold my comic shop to, the wife, um, what was the odds I could get a book on her shelf? And she said, very slim. And it was sort of funny, but I understand why. Because every spot on every shelf needs to make money for them because it costs them money every month in rent, lease, insurance, employees. Okay. So everything needs to make them money. I just I just told her, well, I'm going to have to work harder to build my fan base so you will carry it. That's true. I mean, even though if you, you know and like someone, you know, there are a lot of stores that will have a local area for people who are um, struggling artists beginning and they want to help support that community. And that's that's wonderful. But those are seldom real money makers for a shop. Right. And, you know, to really to go beyond getting into your local shops, local shelf, another huge step. 
Hey, you know, I want to throw this out there real quick, too, because this is something they have done for me, and I, I love my wood shop. The new owners are wonderful. Um, they have had us there on free comic book day in the past to promote projects. Um, this sort of shows them that there is an audience for your book. So that's something you might oh, yeah. want to reach out before May and we can come back and talk about the subject again, but free comic book day. If you can sit up there and you have, uh, examples, of your work, artwork out, if you have stuff that they can walk away with, you can give away. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be a full comic book. No, no, it doesn't. Um, there's ways to make ash cans. If you know what ash cans, it's like a half of a page folded over eight and a half by five and a half. It's very affordable to make copies of stuff that you can give away that way. Um, it shows the store that there is an audience for your work, and especially if you can get a buzz going locally. Maybe you don't go through Diamond. Maybe you go directly to local stores and say, hey, will you take this five and sell them for me? There again, you're creating more hassle for the store because they got to keep a count of everything, but you just never know. It can't hurt to ask. It well, doesn't no. hurt to ask. No, it doesn't. What do you think, Bill? Did we cover it pretty well? I think we covered it well. It's a Herculean task to do, but it doesn't mean that it can't be done. And, you know, persistence is key. Yes. And that's the thing. That's with any of this. It's persistent. And just stay after it from building your skills to getting it out there to being published to building your fan base. You just got to stay after it. And unfortunately, you have to multitask if you're going to be in, the, in this industry. Well, this is a topic that leads us up to so many others that we could be going on about it, but it's time to wrap it up for today. I agree. Thanks again, Bob. Thank you, Bill.